Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to take a minute to thank everyone who has been a member of my Patreon family. These wonderful people support the podcast and you too can be part of this and get your name read out loud by going to patreon.com searching for set lusting bruce and for as little as a few bucks a month your name could be on here and you could get access to unedited videos of the podcast i want to say thank you to mary thomas chris bloom anna lynn terry smith dale hosick Captain America, a.k.a. Steve Rogers, Stephen Malio, Levi Petrie, Betsy Hodges, John Munson, Bella Pori, Rob Barnett, Randy Brown, Steve Vanzak, Yetta, Liz Brunson, Sylvian Groth, Jeff Ulmer, Jennifer and David Van Ebers, and Sean Poole. Thank you guys for your support. It means the world to me. And now on to the show. Then, uh, when uh, I went to the high school, I started to listen to Italian songwriters who took inspiration from the American songwriters, uh, above all, of course, Bob Dylan. And I also listened to a lot of West Coast music, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and especially Jackson Brown, who was actually my favorite singer. And my favorite artist was Jackson Brown. And I discovered Bruce Springsteen in, in nine, 1981 when a friend of mine gave me as a present for my birthday the Wild, the Innocent, and the History Shuffle, okay. uh, telling me if you like... Jackson Brown, you're going to love Bruce Springsteen because he's gorgeous. And I, <laughs> I, and I was a little bit skeptical. As soon as I put the record on the, on, on the player, I was stunned and amazing by the power, by the energy of that record. And starting with the shuffle, and then I couldn't believe that uh, a young a young man, age 24, could, 20, 23, 24, could write uh, a song like Kid Is Back. Yeah. And uh, Incident on 57th Street, it, it seemed to me, it was like seeing a movie. Yeah. And it's like seeing an American movie. And, and it was like seeing uh, one of those movies that I uh, grew up with. Okay. And for me, it was a kind of revelation because, again, it was a completely different approach to the lyrics, to the way of writing lyrics for songs. And uh, by the end of the record, uh, uh, when I listened to New York City Serenade, I found out that I was crying because it was absolutely unbelievable. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are doing a timey-wimey episode again. It is my guest afternoon. It is my morning. All the way from Rome yeah. is my new friend, Patricia. Patricia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Welcome. I'm, I'm glad to be here with you. Here in Italy, of course, is afternoon, but it's okay. I'm glad to, to talk to you, Jesse, and all the listeners and all the viewers. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to visiting with you. Donna and Lorraine, who just recently were on the podcast, reached out and said that they thought you would have a fun story to tell, and I agree. But before we get to that, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, actually, I started my career as a journalist, but first I graduated in North American literature, and I wrote a dissertation. My final dissertation was about Springsteen's lyrics because I consider Springsteen me and my professor at the university consider Bruce as a, an author, a main author of the American culture, pop, popular culture, and not only a musician, not only a rocker. And the scenes in his lyrics is, speaks about, he speaks about, he, con, he, he treats the main themes of all the great American literature, like, like for instance, the myth of the frontier, the overpassing the borders, the, the road, which is not a, only a physical space, but it's a, a, an, an interior space where you grow up. And so I made uh, a connection between Bruce and Walt Whitman, for example, but also Jack Kerouac as well. As well. And we, I, talk, I, I wrote about all the main authors that we can find in Springsteen's lyrics. And so it came out, that was actually the first dissertation degree in about Bruce Springsteen in Italy ever. And then after that, many other people wrote something like my thesis, of course. I graduated many years ago in 1987, actually. And, but I'm glad to, that I opened in some way a new way to approach to cultural and uh, literary studies, especially in North American literature. Yeah, absolutely. You were groundbreaking, and that's really cool. Why did you want to study North American literature? Because I was absolutely, I was a fan of the American pop culture, because as you probably know, in Italy, we... I was born in the 60s, and my generation grew up with the TV series, the movie stars and movies, all coming from the United States. And I really liked, I really loved the way in which American people and American artists and American writers approached the reality. And it was something always very appealing to me. And I decided to uh, study North, North American literature because uh, 
it was completely different from the Italian one. I mean, in Italian literature, we started with uh, Dante Alighieri, the Divine Comedy, and then we have first we have Boccaccio, and first we have all the the Latin classics, and then we start with uh, Boccaccio, Petrarca, Dante, which is a completely different approach, of course. The fact that uh, the United States were the country, all America is the new continent. We are the, Europe is the old continent. And so it it was, it has always have a, a certain fascination for me. And that's why I decided also because I'm very fond of um, of movies as well. And music, of course, and the music in the American culture is not considered as something silly, something superficial. It actually is an industry. It's a part of the, it's a part, a basic part of all the American culture. And it is, it has always been impressive for me because we are not, we were actually, we were not used to that kind of approach. And I try to put together the movie suggestions, the musical, the music suggestions and the pop art suggestions all together. And I found all of these elements into your culture, the American culture, which is very interesting to me. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, 
you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Did you did you become a teacher after your degree? Is that what you, a professor? What did you do? You no, actually, no, after my graduation, I started my career as a journalist and a writer. Okay. I also, I also work in Italian radio broadcasting, Rai, and I was an author and a speaker at the radio station. And I, then I decided to write some books and I started with a book about an Italian rock singer called Luciano Ligabue. Then I wrote something about Ben Harper. And then in 2014, I released my first book about Bruce Springsteen, which is which is called Bruce Springsteen, She's the One, Bruce Springsteen and the Female Figures in his lyrics, of course, and not in his personal life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to get to those. I can't wait to talk about that, but I'm going to take us to the beginning. Talk about growing up and what mm-hmm. kind of music was in your home as you were growing up? My family... And my parents and I used to listen to to the Italian pop singers. But although my parents really loved Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, uh, Polanka, they all were part of their of their young life. When they were young, they used to listen to the American music. And probably that was my first imprinting, although we, we listened to a lot of Italian. Uh, pop singers. Then uh, when uh, I went to the high school, I started to listen to Italian songwriters who took inspiration from the American songwriters, uh, above all, of course, Bob Dylan. And I also listened to a lot of West Coast music, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and especially Jackson Brown, who was actually my favorite singer. And my favorite artist was Jackson Brown. And I discovered Bruce Springsteen in, in nine, 1981 when a friend of mine gave me as a present for my birthday The Wild, The Innocent, and The History Shuffle, okay. uh, telling me, if you like... Jackson Brown, you're going to love Bruce Springsteen because he's gorgeous. And I, <laughs> I, and I was a little bit skeptical as soon as I put the record on the, on, on the player. I was stunned and amazing by the power, by the energy of that record. And starting with the shuffle and then I couldn't believe that uh, a young a young man, age 24, could, 20, 23, 24, could write uh, a song like Kid is Back. Yeah. And uh, Incident on 57th Street, it, it seemed to me, it was like seeing a movie. Yeah. And it's like seeing an American movie. And, and it was like seeing uh, one of those movies that I uh, grew up with. Okay. And for me, it was a kind of revelation because, again, it was a completely different approach to the lyrics, to the way of writing lyrics for songs. And uh, by the end of the record, uh, 
uh, when I listened to New York City Serenade, I found out that I was crying because it was absolutely unbelievable. And I was really impressed by that record. And from that moment on, I started buying all the records by Bruce Springsteen. And then in 1985, uh, Bruce came for the first time in Italy, in Milan, and okay. I went. Okay. And that was the seeing the light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you hear him live, you go, okay, this is it, right? Yeah, that was the, my first live. And it was absolutely unbelievable because uh, it was held uh, in uh, San Siro Stadium and uh, it was it was of course uh, um, a stadium built for soccer and there, there were 80,000 people and we have we had never seen something like that for a concert all the concerts I went to I had gone to where maybe 20,000, maybe 10,000 to a maximum of 20,000. And seeing 80,000 people, the pitch was uh, totally covered. I was on the, I was on the, I was on the, on the seats, but all the pitch, all the soccer pitch was covered by, by packed people. Uh, It was like having a, 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 a carpet of persons. And it was unbelievable, the unbelievable. So uh, I'm just curious, since Jackson Brown was your first love, have you got to hear, see him live? Yeah, of course. Yes. But it was, uh, I went to see, he came to Rome for a concert in a very specific uh, location because just was just in front. It was in the garden of uh, Castel Sant'Angelo, which used to be, which used to be a jail when the Pope was also the King of Rome. And it's a very uh, ancient uh, monument. Uh, It's very beautiful. It's very impressive. And uh, there are all these gardens surrounding the castle and Jackson played there. And it was very impressive, but uh, there were maybe 5,000 people, okay? 6,000 maybe. And uh, the concert was great, absolutely. It was a really great concert, but nothing compared to what we, what I was going to see uh, the following year, because Jackson Brown came to Italy in, in 1984, and Bruce came for the first time in 1985, and of course there were two completely different gigs yeah it yeah it's hard to compare the two so this is a tough question and but why do you think he has such a following in italy and europe because not all great american bands have that kind of intense following you just talked about jackson brown is wonderful here but it doesn't quite. What about Bruce and his music speaks to, and we'll just say it, the world, but let's specifically Italy and in Europe. I speak for myself, but okay. I know that a lot of uh, Italian people and also European people. I also went to Sweden to see him 
And I think that the main reason why people in Italy and in Europe loves him is because he's real. He's not a rock star, although he actually is a rock star, but sure. he doesn't have that kind of uh, approach to his audience. Yeah. Uh, he's absolutely, his characters, uh, he's uh, the person who speaks about in his songs are his friends, uh, our friends. The stories uh, he tells uh, are the same stories that we have lived at least once <clears throat> in our lifetime, even if uh, we don't see, <clears throat> we don't live, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, even if we don't live on the Jersey Shore, even if we live uh, not in New York City, but uh, in a, a big city like Rome or in other parts of the world, uh, it's the honesty and the, 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 the feeling that Bruce put, puts in his songs that make him so real, so true to his audience. And that's why I think it, people love him. People love him. Do you, well, I, I want to. I think that this is the, 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 the main yeah. reason. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think so. So, Patrice, I always like to mention that the amount of times you've seen Bruce live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. But have you counted the number of times you've seen him live? Do you count? And if so, how many? Between 50 and 50. Because okay. uh, the first time that I saw him was in Milan in 1985. Then I went to... From that moment on, I went to see him in all the concerts that uh, he performed in Italy. And then I went to Paris in 1992, which was the Human Touch and Lucky Town tour. Okay. And I went to Sweden in 2016 in Borg, Gothenburg, or Yetebori, as the Swedish people say. And I also went to Broadway. I had the chance to get the ticket for for Broadway, and and I also went to no, that's it. I, I went to to see him also in the United States in Long Island and in Lexington, Kentucky, back in 1988, and okay. it was a completely different experience for me. Tell <laughs> me how <clears throat> the audience. <clears throat> I'm sorry, the audience is different because I remember that I was in Long Island first. I went. First, I was in Lexington, Kentucky, and everybody was in during the concert. And I said, yeah. why, why do you speak? Why do you eat? Why do you drink? <laughs> and uh, the same thing happened in uh, Long Island. It was the same. So I realized, uh, I understood that was the way in which American people go and see the concerts, which is completely different. At least it was completely different, but because now, of course, a lot of people also in Italy, also in, in Europe, start talking and eating and drinking and stuff like that. But that was different. And then I also, I also like the way I think, but I'm not sure, but that was what I perceived at that time. And we are talking about 1988. I perceived that people going to a concert... Bruce concert in the United States were more 
how can, how can I say, they were more quiet. Uh, there wasn't that kind of hype that was in, in Italy and especially in Milan. And uh, consider that in Milan there were, if I think now about, for example, the security <laughs> in 1985, uh, it was like... Uh, craziness because uh, you I remember there was uh, no control on uh, what you could bring into the stadium there weren't uh, enough uh, police there, there were I understand that was a completely different world actually sure but, but it was really I don't know Probably in 1988, when I was at the concert in the United States, I felt more secure. I don't know why. Maybe because they were, as I was saying, they were more quiet. Then I went there in uh, in springtime. And in the following summer, Springsteen came to play in Rome, in Italy, in Rome and Turin. And then there was also the Human Rights Tour the same year. And it, that was a completely story, but everybody, 90% in Italy of people who went to see the human rights uh, concert were there for Bruce, actually. Yeah. 90%. Although there were also Peter Gabriel and Tracy Chapman, and I remember Yusun Dur, but Sting, but everybody was there for Bruce, of course. Sure. Did... <laughs> at least in Italy, at least. So you were able to see a few shows on this tour, correct? Yes, yes. I've seen the three shows in Italy, which were Ferrara, May the 18th, Rome, May the 21st, and Monza, July the 25th, which was also the final show of the European leg. So... I want to ask you, how did you feel, because there is a small but very vocal group that are unhappy that he's not changing the set list very much? Where do you fall on that? Actually, we are used to different set lists for each concert, but I I think that he's perfectly free to sing whatever he wants of course and actually in the three shows that I went to in this tour we could listen to different songs for instance in Ferrara uh, he played uh, Candy's Room in Rome he played uh, Thunder Road in uh, Monza he played uh, in, in Rome he also played uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town, uh, which was very impressive, a, a very, a very important part of the show. Mm-hmm. I think that it's pretty normal, since he's seventy-three. His shows are shorter than before, but <laughs> in Monza he played for three hours. Uh, the same in Rome, and. Uh, w- w- I think that the quality that uh, he showed on stage uh, was still upper level. So I don't care if he doesn't change the set list from time to time. I I was really glad uh, and I was really happy that he, he can be still on stage like the, the way he was on stage. It's obvious that he, he is older, he's 
probably more tired uh, in Europe. Mm. He fell down twice in different places, but it's okay. Of course, uh, he, he can do what he did uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but even seven years ago, the last time that we saw him on tour, apart Broadway, of course, which was complete, completely different. Uh, yeah. Um, it's normal. He's human. He's, 70, he's 73. He, he still offers the best show ever in the world. He's, he's a, the greatest performer, even if he's 73. So I don't care if he doesn't change the set list, really. You and I are in sync. I am like everyone else. I have songs that I would love to hear him sing live that I haven't heard him sing. One of the things I'm disappointed in is I wanted to hear Power of Prayer live, but I got to hear If I Was the Priest twice. I was lucky enough to be at the shows where he did If I Was the Priest live. So I'm not complaining about anything, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just so happy to be back in that Church of Springsteen to celebrate with my fellow fans and then to see so many new fans, people that have never had a chance to see him live and to see them loving and enjoying this music, I just think is just a, it's a, it is a reason to celebrate. And instead of being concerned about it's the same show, I, Every show is different, even if he does the exact same show, because he's they're different and they're playing different. It's live. Don't yeah. you agree? I totally agree with you. Also, because I read the, the, the interview that Nils Lofgren, I I I read this statement that Nils Lofgren did say that playing the same set list uh, every night uh, allowed them allows them to to be more concentrated on the music and even playing in uh, a more uh, specific and peculiar way which is actually actually a new thing for us for the audience and i think that each of us would love to listen to their favorite song but there are so many songs that we love about bruce that uh, i don't care actually i would i i totally agree with you i was lucky enough to to listen to candy's room which which is one of my favorite songs yeah uh, but also I of course I would like to see Bruce performing Western Stars, for example, yes. which I consider one of his best records. Let's say of the second half of his life, uh, of yeah. his career, and I really love Western Stars, the album, and I would like I would love to listen to Sundown, but probably he doesn't consider um, that album as. Uh, a live album, an album that you can play live in front of such big audiences yeah. as he played in this tour as well again. And so I think that also is we should we should uh, we should think that it's a form of respect, if I can say so. It's a kind it's a form of respect, not complaining about the set list, uh, which is always the same, because actually every show is different, as we were saying. Yes, I've seen three different shows, three different locations. Uh, there were, there has, there have been huge uh, problems in Italy. 
over the, in the course of the shows, but it's okay. The setlist was great. And he, above all, he, he was great, absolutely, he was uh, uh, really glad to play in front of uh, these big audiences. And he, for example, I've noticed that the first show that he plays in Italy, as I was saying before, was in uh, May 18th, uh, and uh, he was still a bit, uh, if I can say, rusted. Uh, his voice was not so perfect, uh, and uh, he was, uh, he, he seemed to us a little bit, uh, we have to admit, older, okay? But three days after in Rome, uh, his voice was absolutely better than yeah. three days before. <laughs> and uh, by the end of the European leg, uh, on July 25th, uh, he was really enjoying being on stage and playing and singing and dancing. And he made a twist and shout in order to celebrate the end of the European League leg. And this is, this is the main topic. Yeah. And we have to accept it. This, it's a new way of approaching to the live shows. Even the, also the fact that Patty is not with him on stage. Yeah. It's, a different, it's a different approach. But... Yeah. The feelings, the emotions, the quality is absolutely immense. It's huge. Yeah. And one of the things, Patricia, is we, as an artist, he's always evolved. Mm -hmm. um, you look at Western stars compared to the rising or magic, not even going back to Born to Run or Darkness. It's a very different album. He, the new covers album he did just for fun. So yeah. I think it's unrealistic for us to expect as a live entertainer, he doesn't, he wants to try different things. Yeah. And, and once again, often, in, you talked a little about this, in the days of social media and the internet, People will complain about a pop culture TV show or movie because it didn't do the story they wanted to watch versus yeah. enjoying the story that the creator wanted to tell. Right. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think it's the same thing. Like this is the show that the band wants to give us. And if you were, if you, you could certainly be disappointed that you don't hear your favorite show. I agree with you. I was hoping Tucson Train uh, or something would make the set list, right? Something that would fit in with the band. Moonlight Motel, any, anything from Western Stars I would love. But the reality is I, I have to trust that he's telling and performing the way he wants to what was what is that was the past yeah. this is now and we need to evolve the same way he does yeah i totally agree with you and i would like to add something more please uh, because i've heard a lot of complaints about the fact that in the broadway show he wasn't so sincere because he had uh, a script, but that is uh, a monologue in a theater. That was uh, a theater show. So yeah. it had to have uh, a script. It had to 
play and act as if he was an actor. Yeah. And it's in the it's in the human nature the fact that you want to criticize someone or something just because it's not like it's not like you or it's not what you expected but i think that as an artist and as a man bruce springsteen is one of the most honest that are in the showbiz and in the rock music contest so in the rock music world so I think that we have to, we we owe him a, a form of respect, which means that, uh, of course, we can criticize things that we don't like, but not it's not right for me. From my point of view, it's not right to criticize him because he doesn't change the set list <laughs> every night, every show. Yeah, and... And I understand, and then we'll move on to this, but I understand being disappointed. What I don't understand is being angry. And there are yeah, very few yeah. percentage are angry. Like, how dare you, Bruce, not do what you used to do? And yeah. there is a, that is, that makes me sad that someone is that angry about something like that. Yeah, I think that if you want to be angry, if you want to be disappointed, you should be disappointed or angry or even angry for the prices of the shows. I remember all the problems uh, that came out when when the tour started, that there were prices up to the problem of the dynamic pricing. Yes. that That is a topic to be disappointed about and to be angry for not the fact that (laughs) he doesn't change uh, the the, the set list I think that's my personal opinion I have been lucky enough to to go to to three different shows but I could I could never I could have never gone to the shows in the United States in the first leg in the first leg of the tour and paying four thousand dollars or two thousand even two thousand dollars that that's a the dynamic pricing is a huge problem yeah and I, i agree and it is also one of the things that we have to worry about is that this is not just a bruce problem it is a industry problem yeah i totally agree with you yeah so you talked about you did your dissertation. When did you decide and why did you decide to write a book about Bruce and his music? After seeing him in 1985 in Milan at San Siro Stadium, mm-hmm. I realized that he was he was not only a musician, but he was an artist. He was a character. And he was saying, he was telling the story of his country and uh, also he was telling us he was giving us a a form of uh, he was inspiring us with his stories in order not to give up in order to to pursue our personal happiness but also Mm -hmm. to try to make our dreams come true 
and and that was for me was uh, the, the the most important part. I decided that he was not only a singer, a rock singer, a rock star. Yeah. He was something different. He was someone who tried to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you consider how from where he started to the Broadway show to his autobiography is exactly what I try to put in my dissertation, my university dissertation, and also, of course, in my two books. And, uh, of course, there are so many books about Bruce Springsteen all over the world. But uh, when I decided in 2013 write uh, my first book about Bruce, uh, which is entitled Bruce Springsteen and Ledonna. She's the one. Mm-hmm. I decided uh, to analyze a peculiar aspect of his songs, which are the female figures who are always present, who have always been present in all his lyrics from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. First, they were young girls, adolescent people, adolescent girls, then they were young women, then they become wives, mothers, single mothers, family mothers, and then in the end they be- they became life companion. And what I tried to put in my first book was the fact that all the women, all the female figures who appears mm-hmm. In Springsteen lyrics are always uh, at the same level of the male characters, which is not so common, which was not so common and unfortunately is not so common even now in uh, the rock uh, world. Um, I remember that there was, we all love the Rolling Stones, but they have never been, how can I say, let's say that they have a different vision of women. Sure. And but Bruce has always put in his lyrics girls and women with personality, girls and women who struggle, who fight for themselves and for their male companions, for and for the for the their male partners. And I think that this was the key to read about Bruce, another book. The eighteenth book about Bruce Springsteen. It was a way to to tell, to analyze another aspect, which was never treated before. At least uh, mm-hmm. for my, I, I, of course, I've made, I had made the research before writing and proposing to my uh, publishing house uh, this book, uh, and actually there wasn't. Uh, any book like that, speaking about the female figures. Of course, all the female characters converge in the end in the figure, the real person of Patty, who is the perfect Jersey girl and who is the perfect partner for Springsteen and who can be the perfect character of his songs, of course. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay, Uh, no. You okay? Yeah, no, I am. So, I I love that idea. Are where can we find the books? Okay, 
This one uh, has, is not, it, it, you can find it on Amazon, of course, okay. but unfortunately it's only in Italian, although I made uh, an English version of the book okay. and he will be released as a podcast in the very next month and it will be uh, released either in Italian and in English. Oh, uh, and <laughs> when will it be available in English? I think by the end of the year for Christmas. For okay. Christmas, we have the, the, the English version as a podcast. We are, right. studying, we are studying a new concept for the, this book. The other one, which was published in 2022, it's called Bruce Springsteen, The Last Man Standing. And again, is is only in Italian, but okay. I'm working on the English translation as well. And uh, it's it's how Springsteen, I, I consider Spring, Springsteen the last uh, man standing, the last uh, American hero in, in which you can believe. We know that the United States, the America, as we know it and as we love it, uh, has lost many pieces over the last years. And Bruce, I think that he's the most is the, the last one who can who who can speak and who can recount again uh, the best uh, face of the United States the best okay. uh, aspects of the United States i'm i'm not sure that i am enough clear so if if something is not clear you tell me that i and and i will tell it in a different way no, Patricia, you make a lot of sense. And I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and plan on you coming back in November, December, once it's live, the podcast yeah. live in English, and let's promote it. That way we can tell yeah. everyone about it and make sure that's great. That's yeah, I'd wonderful. Love I'd love it. Also, yeah. yes, also, uh, also, it's the, the, the Last Man Standing is a book who, which recounts Springsteen actually, which recounts America through Springsteen songs and Springsteen characters and speaks about Springsteen through the American symbols. So it's 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 not a political book, of course. Sure. And, but it's uh, it's my view of the United States through the songs and lyrics of Bruce Springsteen. And it's my vision of of Bruce through the American, the most, the most important symbols of America. And uh, it's really peculiar. I'm working on the, on the English version, of course. And Good. I would like to add, if you allow me to do Please. Uh, the both the books uh, are in the Bruce Springsteen archives uh, at the Monmouth University. Nice. Yeah, where I went in 2018, I wrote a paper. I was a, a guest speaker at the International Symposium Darkness on the Edge of Town, which was held in uh, 2018. And I wrote a paper about Candy's Room. Of course, I was I was speaking about the the feminine universe. That was possible because I have I had wrote I had written the Bruce Springsteen. She's the one, of course. Mm -hmm. I sent a paper to the to the dean of the Monmouth University, and he, he invited me 
to go to Monmouth University and take part to this uh, very interesting international symposium. And, and, and I was really honored, of course, and I was very glad to have that opportunity. And it was great also because... <laughs> The following week, I went to Broadway and uh, I also saw nice. the show. <laughs> so it was my 15 days of glory. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's really nice. So it sounds like you've got still a lot of things going on besides working on getting these changed and made in English. What else are you working on? I'm working on uh, I, I'm, I'm working actually on uh, different forms of my books. Okay. It means which means that I'm trying to make them more easily readable. <laughs> let's okay. say so. Yeah. And that's why I'm trying to transform she's the one into a podcast because it's easier for bigger audiences and for also for foreign audiences to read and to get in touch with my books. I have written another book about this rock, this Italian rock band that now you also know in, in the United States, who are the Maneskin. Okay. Better Maneskin, because the name is Danish. And actually I'm working now on, I'm writing about how how the how rock music spreads through different brand, different themes such as how rock music how, how rock which i still consider a part of the american culture sure is we can find the rock in art music movies and art and fashion and I'm trying to put all these things together and see how rock has changed art, has changed movies, has changed fashion, and so on. So it's a, it's a broader speech. Okay. The, we've talked a little bit about Western stars and other things, but do you have some favorite, do you have, you mentioned about Loving Candy's Room, are there other things that you love, albums or songs that you love that, that are favorites of yours? I actually, of course, I love The Wild, The Innocent, and The History Shuffle because it was my first record. Sure. Of, of course, I love Born to Run, and it couldn't be the other way, and Darkness. But I also like a lot Born in the USA and The Rising and also Western Stars because The Rising for me is, is it, it, it's, it's like a masterpiece because uh, don't forget that Springsteen is the only Western artist that has written a song trying to understand the different point of view, the point of view of the terrorist in yes. a paradise. Okay. Yeah. And I do believe that in The Rising, there are wonderful songs, really wonderful songs. And I must confess that in the beginning, I hardly could listen to the record because it was too pain painful for me. Absolutely. Although I'm not, although I'm not American, but I grown up with American culture, as I, sure. I told you before. 
And uh, I've been several times uh, to the United States. Whenever I can, uh, I go to the States, I go to New York. And so it was really painful, but the intensity and the feelings, all the feelings, all the strength uh, that Bruce put in that Mm -hmm. album make it one of my favorite records of Bruce. Mm -hmm. The Rising for me is a masterpiece. And uh... yeah, no, I agree. And it's, I will always have a special place. The Rising was my first show. I had, I had not had a chance to see him live Mm -hmm. just for various reasons. And there, so (laughs) it was really special that my first show. And in fact, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping I have tickets to two more shows Mm-hmm. that he's still playing Mary's Place because I've only heard it once live and I yeah. really want to hear it again. But yeah, last question and then we'll get to the Mary question. You've talked a lot about this, but what is your theory on why Bruce connects so much to his female audience? Because we, I'm talking as a woman. Sure. <laughs> We is the women understand uh, that uh, uh, he has always treated us with respect, with passion, with love. And maybe because he comes from an Italian family and maybe because he has grown up with uh, his mother, his aunt, his sisters, and he has a lot of respect for women. And that is, this is very important. Uh, and uh, women understand that. Okay. We can feel it. We can feel it. And no. uh, also, also, he is very honest. Uh, of course, I don't know him personally, of course. It could be whatever, but he is still married to the same Jersey girl whom he married uh, 30 years ago. They have a wonderful, wonderful family. We haven't read over the years controversies or betrayers. I don't care about that, but it, it's it's kind of person that we know, okay? Even if we don't know him personally. And I think that it's always a, ma- a matter of respect. And, and Bruce respects and loves women. That's why women love him so much. Although he's, uh, of course, beyond his uh, physical aspects, of course. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? Oh, any final thoughts? Uh, I really hope that uh, he will be on stage uh, until he feels that he can be on stage. I don't want to see, I wouldn't... Uh, uh, like to see him, uh, how can I say, I wouldn't like to see him tired of being on stage, okay? Right. And be being there on stage only for a question of money or, or a matter of money, which of course uh, <laughs> he doesn't need. But um, I... Go ahead. I would like to see him again uh, next year, as uh, the rumor says... As the rumors say, he will be back in 2024 in Italy, in Europe, in the United States, of course. 
And, but I, I would like to see him until he can do such concerts, such as soon as he enjoys playing in front of an audience and uh, until he feels that he can transmit all the passion that he has, all the feelings that he has, all the emotions that he can still give us. Yeah, I think well said, very well said. Thank you, thank you. But it's, it, 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 I think so, actually. Yeah. This has been so wonderful, Patricia. I, I, yeah. I just, I have loved talking to you. Before I let you go, yeah. I ask all my guests the Mary question. So give if you are listening to the podcast for the first time, Jay yeah. Armstrong is an honors English teacher that mm -hmm. has now retired. But when he was teaching, he would go, he would give all his students the lyrics to Thunder Road and they would discuss mm -hmm. it and they yeah. would talk about the imagery Bruce uses, the word choices, the themes. And then he would ask the question, does mm -hmm. Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? That is your question. <laughs> Tresia, does yeah. do okay. they get yeah. in the car? I do believe that she gets into the car. Also because, uh, and uh, I would send you, Jesse, I would send you the paper that uh, I wrote for the Darkness on the Edge of Tom's Town Symposium in 20, uh, 2018, uh, because uh, I also speak about this point, not only about Candy's Room, okay. but I also but I, I speak about Mary <laughs> and Thunder Road as well. And I think that Mary in Thunder Road probably has experienced on herself a form of violence, maybe a rape. Mm. And the only way to forget the horror and to forget the town full of losers is going climbing in the car and going outside, but as an equivalent figure than his partner. She goes because he considers her exactly at the same level. Okay. Okay. Which is I the main topic. <laughs> love that. That Yes, please send me that paper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, right. it doesn't, yeah. I wanted to add this. Mary. Please. Mary doesn't want to to be like her mother and be under her her father or her husband. She wants to be as equal as his companion. It's a, she understands that he respects her. That's why she climbs in. I love it. That is a great answer. If someone wants to reach you and mm -hmm. share their thoughts, what's the best way? Yeah. I have uh, my personal website, which is www.patriziaderossi, which is P-A-T-R-I-Z-I-A-D-E-R-O-S-I-dot-I-T. Or they can reach me, everybody can reach me on Instagram, and it's Patricia underscore de underscore 
Rosse. I repeat, I spell it for you because it's a little bit complicated. So it's P-A-T-R-I-Z-I-A underscore D-E underscore R-O-S-S-I. Or you can also find me on Facebook as Patrizia De Rossi. There is a professional page and the picture is me with the first She's the One book. So it's easy. I'm easily recognizable. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. I just want to thank you for spending part of your afternoon with me. This was just lovely. I can't wait to have you back on when we can promote the uh, new podcast. Um, You are, this was so much fun for me and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I'm really, I feel honored and glad to have uh, spoken with you and hope to see you again soon uh, yes. so that you we could uh, speak again uh, and uh, add more things uh, more stories on uh, uh, on Bruce I really love really and love this this broadcasting thank okay? you so much I appreciate it thank all right too. thank you Patricia we're gonna thank end you, with Pastor. if we open up our hearts love won't forsake <laughs> us just let the music take us and carry us home. Thank sure. you, Patricia. Thank you, listeners. Be safe. Be kind. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. We're done. Thank you. Bye. 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 You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Fed Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.